Wepa, and welcome to Flips Philosophy. With all that we do, may we do it with inspiration, introspection, and inclusivity. Today we have two guests that are joining us who I'm just so excited to have on our show today. But to start, I want to say that this is a safe space, a place where you can be honest, vulnerable, and basically real. We need transparency, openness, and trust if we are to fully give ourselves wholeheartedly to address issues that would otherwise be ignored or brushed under the table. So, of course, without further ado, I'd like to invite my first guest to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Megan Castlemore, and I'm a senior at Queens College. I am currently majoring in English and minoring in political science. Um, I met Felipe back in 2018, I believe, in spring. Uh, we were yes. yes. <laughs> we were good times <laughs> in our public speaking class with Rondi Gaines, if I got that right. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had like we partnered up on our projects, and we had like a really good time together working on things in class. And um, I'm just really uh, glad to be here. Thanks, Felipe. Of course, and thank you for coming. Yes, we had an awesome time in school because we just you know, help each other a lot. But we'll get into that a little later. Thank you so much for being here, Megan. This means the world to me. And uh, now I'd like to uh, invite our second guest to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Josie Bergen-Co. Um, love hearing that the two of you had a great time at LaGuardia Community College <laughs> in, your, in your public speaking class. I, I know Felipe from um, working at LaGuardia. I worked for... Uh, program called ASAP. It's an accelerated program that helps students um, get their college degrees as efficiently and effectively as possible. And we're there to support them through that process. Um, So I also have a lot of good memories with Felipe at that school. But um, but yeah, that's kind of where I know you. And then in addition to that, I, I like to consider myself a social justice advocate, Um, you know, I think being an educator, I was a teacher and now working in higher ed, that's something that needs to be at the forefront for me in order to Mm. best serve everybody. So I just really appreciate being welcome to be part of this conversation because, um, you know, it's an important conversation to have for all, but specifically for me as well, I think as an educator, these are conversations that I consistently and constantly need to be having with people so thank you for having me oh it's such a pleasure to have you and thank you I'm honored Josie uh was my advisor and she's so humble but she was such a pillar and to help um and you know thanks to her and and a handful of people at the Guadalajara Community College I became uh ASAP's valedictorian okay <laughs> Which I knew you were going. I knew. I think we talked you know about what? it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and you was like, "Go for it! And you're gonna rock it!" And 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 that level of encouragement and inspiration, really, at times, especially when I had some challenges, you know. Um, for sure. Yeah, and speaking of challenges, um, this conversation, um, I just certainly just want people to know that um, this is for me to learn as well. Um, You know, for Megan, for Josie, and for all of you. And um, white privilege, white fragility, white apathy, uh, 
have been the topic of many conversations lately, specifically because of, you know, the intense political and social climate we're presently living in. Mm-hmm. And with racism and institutional racism, along with institutional violence, which perpetuates systems of oppression, these conversations are extremely important to have. And it can be awkward and uncomfortable sometimes to have these discussions, right? Um, However, we ask ourselves, why is it so hard to talk about racism? What are the entities that continue to keep people from having these imperative discussions? And then lastly, what can we do to stop racism and prejudice that also leads to implicit bias and microaggressions? You know, I'm watching the news. I don't know about you ladies, but it's been overwhelming. Yeah. Yes. And so I've been seeing stories about just young people of color being killed by police just recently. Um, A gentleman last name Toledo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Adam Toledo in Chicago. Chicago. Thank you. What are your thoughts on these, on these issues and share with me, just share with me, please, just your thoughts and how do you feel? How do you, just how do you feel? And and, and if, if I may, I will start with Megan. Um, well, in my classes that I'm taking right now at Queens College, I'm lucky enough to have many professors who are you know, of um, like minds who are also into social justice and, you know, um, communicating these things, you know, as uncomfortable as they might be. And, Mm, and we were talking yesterday in my class. um, And my professor was talking about how uh, in what in white people's eyes, usually children like who are black or color are seen as more grown up than they actually are because of the racial bias. Um, the first, the mm. first example I think of is, um, you know, Tamir Rice being 12 years old, and the excuse for him being murdered was that he just looked older, and they thought he was armed. And but it's like, you know, there's like how many stories of white children is that? Like, oh, I thought he was like 20 years old. It's like there's nothing like that. It's, right. and I just think that the accountability is a very hard thing for people to undertake because. Taking account- accountability, you know, it means you have to admit that you've done something wrong. I don't even, I don't, like you asking that question, Felipe, sorry just to like jump in, but I yeah. don't no, even. No, please. This I is a conversation, even, yeah. I don't even, um, I can't think of like one word to say how I feel, you know, it's just. Uh, sure, okay. It's yeah. an abundance of different feelings because it's just so incredibly um disheartening you know that it's like okay you know we're here again and i understand you know this is trust understanding and also forgiveness in a way where and i say forgiveness where i feel like people tend to put on a lot of other people's behavior on the entire group of people And so I wanted to say out loud that I have white friends and family who are allies and are not racist. However, I think that because the world and the systems in which we see is operating has fallen under extreme racism Mm -hmm. and white supremacy. So 
I want to be able to kind of let's see if we, today we can try to just talk about what are implicit bias, what are the microaggressions, what can we do to kind of like address these things because people don't even realize that they have it. They're doing it. And I don't even, yeah. And I don't think people really understand it, especially a lot of white people that mm -hmm. I come across, um, you know, and I know that you guys are open to this conversation. Oh, there are many people out there mm -hmm. that listen to this podcast. And I just want them just to take a moment and just put aside their bias their experience and just hear, hear us out, just hear us out, you know? And um, so my question, I would like to ask Josie, what do you think would be a good way to start with recognizing white privilege and white apathy and, and what they say, white, white fragility? How do, we, how do we start there? How do we get there? Yeah. I see, I, I, I grapple with that question like so much. I think I'm like, you know, I get confused about it at times with my own self. And then I constantly okay. think about my upbringing because I, I'm from rural Minnesota. Um, okay. Okay. And, you know, I, I'm, I respect where I'm from lots of, you know, like, I don't want to like hate on, on that piece, but I, I, I constantly think about like how, a lot of the people within that community would um, like how I would approach them. Cause I have had conversations with certain people about this okay. and you know, it's um, it's a white community, you know, wholeheartedly. Sure. And, yeah. um, and so that's the type of community that I'm constantly looking at and thinking about, you know, how their place within this you know because I see a lot of the the ignorance and like the repetitive wheel of like white white privilege um and ignorance you know happening within those types of communities I'm not saying it happens everywhere obviously but I think because that's where I'm from I constantly look back to that and think about if somebody were to bring a, a workshop to this community about bias or that there's racism within the community that certain kids have already vocalized and white people within that community say that that's not, you know, like they stomp on it and say like, no, that didn't happen. And, it's, and that's where I think for me, and I, I guess I'm not trying to, you know, walk around your question in a way because no. I don't have an answer, but yeah. I think okay. that's the complexity of it in a sense yes. where it's, and, and that's the ignorance, you know, where it's okay. like, I think the depth of ignorance that's surrounding like white privilege as a whole, because yes. we look at, you know, how, how you learn things, you know, a lot of it's through experience mm -hmm. and um, your family, you know, and if those conversations aren't happening and if you're in a static community, I think that people have the ability to see beyond that. I know really great people within that community who are white, haven't left there and are not racist, you know, like institutionally yet in white privilege. Yes, I think that they're contributing to that because that's just inherent within our, our, our history our yes, and our system. Yes. But, yeah. but, you know, when 
and again, I'm just talking on my experiences in that community. I see a lot of them going straight to like, I'm not part of, you know, like I'm not KKK and it goes so extreme, you know, where it's like, that's not. So I think that's the complexity of it where it's It's... like, where's the first step. Right. And it's like having a conversation with them about where their ignorances are. Okay, and, 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 and being and being okay as the person having that conversation that this other person is likely going to probably be pissed off at you, you know. Okay, which right. which, which right. has happened. Uh-huh. Um, to, but to that's me, okay. But that's, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what you have to. What you need live, to do, right? So we but, have to bypass, I think. Yeah. For, in a way. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I just think like um, Josie said, like people go to the extreme, like, Oh, I'm not KKK. And it's like, it doesn't have to go that far. Like you can do, you know, microaggressions, there's covert racism, there are snide little jokes you can make. And it's like, you have to understand, like to white people, they have to understand me also. Like, I can't just say things off the cuff and then just think like, Oh, they know what I mean. Um, like you can't right. just assume that they're gonna know or think that you're not racist or you're not like a clan member or a Nazi, and it's like you know you have to make sure that those people, the marginalized people, they feel like you're not, you know, another one of those white people who doesn't see them as like another human being. You hit it on the nail too, both of you. I think that um, you have to kind of get past that and realize that it's not. You have to own all these um, negative things that that are surrounded around racism because it's just really difficult for people to even reflect on themselves and realize like, oh shit, I might I have some things yeah. I contributed and that's okay to say, yeah. oh shit, I have contributed. What can I do to not yeah. contribute anymore? What can I do to make it better, but be purposeful and intentional about putting forth the action, right? And part of that action would be, for example, you know, you see someone of color being treated a certain way. How do you stand up for them? Because I think allyship is important so that we right. can minimize and eliminate the passive yeah. racism. Right. I yeah. think also a lot of it is, uh, and I think a lot of it is, um, you know, it's not, it's not about, like, I think a lot of white people, like, they take this marker of like, oh, this is about me. You're pointing the finger at me. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, depending right, on the right. circumstance, maybe, because maybe you maybe. said something <laughs> yeah. fucking racist or, you know, did something you shouldn't have done. But okay. uh, but um, a lot of the conversations, it's like, this isn't about you specific, you know, like yes. it could be, it could be, but it's also like you looking at the bigger picture, you know, and, and realizing that, there are huge implications. Lives are continually on a daily being lost, you know? Yes. We're repetitively having conversations about this. And it's, again, it is devastating. But people, I think, especially within these static white communities, it's easy for them to be desensitized when they don't, people who are, you know, calling them out or saying, like, hey, I, I'm from Minnesota, so it's like I, I grew up three hours away from Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I, right. I, I feel that, mm-hmm. you know, there's people within that community that like are probably just going about their bus- business and 
could, you know, I don't want to say care less, but like just go about their business and not be part actively involved in what's going on in Minneapolis and what has been going on in Minneapolis and what has been going on nationally yes, and yes. internationally, you know, so. Josie, yeah. I, you know, I think part of it is not caring enough. And I know it's hard to say because we don't want to seem like we're pointing a figure and we're not here to, you know, chastise or demonize anyone, but right. we're here to keep it real, right? right. So I think that like most people and, and Megan, you know, shoot in here anytime, but like, you know, what she was saying about the small things that seem to be, say, racist, right? That lead to bigger things. We know what's socially unacceptable, what's out in the open, like the racial slurs, the racial profiling, the lynching, right? The N-word, um, tokenism, denial of white privilege, uh, fearful of people of color, cultural appropriation, blackface. We know these things are socially unacceptable. But then we have the passive racism, the anti-immigrant policies, discriminatory lending, denial of racism. Oh, how about this? The English-only right. initiatives. Right. Or, oh, I'm colorblind. Oh, no, I no, I'm that. colorblind. You know, right? So jump in here. And, 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 and when they say, how about this? Um, I don't see color. Totally missing for you. Color. And so, yeah. I know it can be a little scary to stand up when moments where you know it could potentially become violent. So I do say with complete, um, you know, let's just say like, uh, a, like urgency that should be to take to use wisdom mm -hmm. when you're going to stand up for, for someone um, you know because I know it can be scary because we do see what happens when people try to defend someone for example there was a white police uh, a white um, EMT worker who tried to get in the way of George Floyd from being murdered mm -hmm. and she was standing there screaming and she was a white woman and she's screaming and she's saying please stop please stop I can help I can help I can I can do something you're gonna kill him stop please you're, he's not breathing and yet she was in such a horrific situation well whatever you're pouring up is wine um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's sorry. Okay. it was like a commercial you could totally hear the, the pouring of the, of the juice I'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay Damn. I'm teasing no <laughs> right <laughs> damn um but you know so there are times where i can understand where those situations you have to kind of practice um some level of like wisdom or restraint because you don't want to be murdered yourself right or killed but again the small implicit bias the microaggression have you ever been in a situation where you had to stand up for someone or maybe you wish you had stood up for someone you know when you've seen them kind of being mistreated because of the color of their skin or because, you know, maybe there's even their sexual orientation, you know? Yeah. I mean, both. I think okay. that, okay. I think, I think if like this day and age, like just personally, yeah. I think this day and age, if you're a, a white person, you should have experienced both. Right. Oh, like, oh, I mean, wow. I mean, a lot of people have it though. That's the, this is. No, I know. I know a lot of people have it. Wow. And, okay. And Say, I, that again. Say that again. <laughs> Say that I, again. <laughs> sorry, I'm not trying to press any buttons. <laughs> but, but, so we are um, here to shake it up a little bit and try to really. All right, yo, that's what we have for episode one on white privilege, white fragility, and white apathy on Flip's philosophy.
with all that we do when we do it with introspection, inclusivity, and inspiration. Check out episode two coming up next on Flip's Philosophy. Check me out on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, or Anchor.